0: Welcome to the only one business show with me your host james nathan chatting to some of the uk's leading business professionals sharing tips insights and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger better and more profitable businesses as a result what can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients what exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one. You have to be the only one. Hello and welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And I've got a fascinating guest for you today, a really interesting guy. Um, And I hope you're going to enjoy not only the, the story, but also some learning from it and what this gentleman has managed to do. Um, in his life recently. In June 2016, he was commuting to work in the City of London where his job was as head of recruitment for a, a large financial services business. He had an accident on his push bike. He hit a barrier and landed on his head, crushing his neck and uh, and changing his life forever. I'm not going to go too much into the story because I think he tells it a hell of a lot better than I can, but please welcome Stephen Dowd. Stephen, hi, how are you?
1: Hi, James. I'm well, thank you, very well.
0: It's great to have you on. I know you're a super busy man, so thank you so much for taking the time out. And I appreciate you're at Google Campus today. Is that right?
1: I am indeed, yeah. I'm uh, very lucky that my new startup we're about to launch uh, has been drafted into Google Campus, so I'm uh, able to spend lots of time here. Uh, so yeah, found a little uh, a soundproofed booth to speak to you from. Although, do forgive me if there's any background
0: noise. Uh, no one will care. I'm sure it's uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, <laughs> one of those things. But uh, if you're going to have a soundproof booth, at somebody's company. I best Google is probably a decent one to start. At. <laughs> so look, Stephen, um, the, there's so much I want to ask you, and so much I'd love to learn from you. But can you take us back in time, June 2016?
1: Yes, certainly. So uh, June 2016, that fateful day, uh, I was, or the backstory to it really was that I was co-opted into an event uh, known as Ride London, which is effectively the 100 mile cycle around London into the Surrey Hills. And uh, I'd never really been a cyclist before, it was relatively new to me, um, but I did what every self-respecting boy should do and went out and bought the most expensive carbon fibre bike <laughs> at the time, started <laughs> like her, and uh, and, and, um, and then started training, and uh, I was doing 10 mile commutes to and from work uh, with right. a friend of mine, and uh, this one particular day I headed down to his place uh, in Woolwich, around the corner from where I live, and unfortunately I never got there. Uh, It was uh, a barrier that I didn't see. uh, And unfortunately, by the time I did see it, uh, I I broke and it was just too late. Uh, I collided with that barrier, went over the top and landed on my head. And in doing so, I I, I sustained a spinal cord injury uh, in the middle of my neck, which left me totally paralyzed from the neck down immediately.
0: So you're lying on the ground and you're looking up and thinking, what the hell happened to me?
1: Yeah, and other words, uh, which probably should be avoided. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, there was that, that kind of moment of, oh my God, what's happened here? Uh, I, I thought I'd hurt my face actually because obviously I had sensation above my neck and uh, right. I didn't realise I didn't have sensation elsewhere at that time. So I went to reach up to my face and say, bloody hell, that hurt. And as I went to do that, nothing happened.
0: And you were taken to hospital fairly quickly, I, I presume. Wait, how long were you in hospital for?
1: I was. I was taken to initially King's, uh, and then whilst I was at King's, that I was put through the MRIs and the various tests that they do uh, to realise that I'd obviously sustained a spinal cord injury at the level of C3-4, which is, if you, if you think mm-hmm. of there being seven bones in your neck, mine's between three and four. Right. And, um, so from there down, I had no sensation whatsoever, and uh, they said the... the the injury that you have uh, is so devastating that we just don't know if you're ever going to get any sensation back again. Um, so that was a pretty stark uh, reality for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I sustained, uh, We, as we were speaking before this cast, the, um, The world of spinal cord injury actually is broken down into two very distinct camps. Uh, So you have severed spinal cords, which fall into the complete injury category. Right, Um, so is that
0: where it's completely broken, right across? Exactly,
1: where it's it's either snapped or cut, or or either either way, it's severed. Right. And and unfortunately, those people, uh, or people with that injury, they're in a position whereby their injury is very severe, and the chances of them getting anything back is, is slim to none, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of work being done in and around that space. And that as a category of people, they are being looked at from a from a research perspective to see what can be helped. Uh, But it is a very serious situation for them. Um, The other group uh, and the group that I fall into is known as the incomplete injury and the incomplete injury is a spinal cord which has been damaged in some way. Um, So in my instance, I snapped the ligament on the back of my neck, which dislocated my neck. and that allowed my spinal cord to be crushed and bent. Uh, right. So there was a lot of pressure put into that area of injury. Uh, and then a lot of inflammation that happens around it as well, which uh, which can cause a lot of problems. But it wasn't okay. severed. And that was that was crucial. So I, t- I tend to refer to it after a conversation with another guy. Actually, that had a very similar injury to me as my spinal cord is like being in a bust up, like a punch up rather than a knife fight.
0: Right. Okay. So, if you're going to be in one of those, you'd rather be punched. But I guess you'd rather not. None of them, none of them are a good thing. And, and so, I, so I've and you were um, so we met about a year ago, didn't we? At the initially, anyway, at the uh, at the rugby business network, and you were speaking there as an ambassador for Wings for Life, mm. um, which is, it is a Red Bull charity. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah. So Wings for Life are a spinal cord injury foundation. Uh, they have the uh, rather ambitious goal of aiming to cure spinal cord injury paralysis, so ultimately they raise funds to fund research right across the world. Um, they do mm-hmm. there's over a hundred trials being funded right now by um, uh, of different sizes and in different fields, whether that be stem cells or um, or electrostimulation or in my case it was a pressure study that was done. Um, right. But yeah, ultimately they were initially funded um, or sorry they were initially set up by Red Bull, and yep. of the money that they raise, and this is crucially important to their message, 100% of the money that they raise is directly put into spinal cord injury research. And the only reason that they can do that is because Red Bull very generously fund their operation costs so that all the money that they raise, every pound raised, becomes a pound of research
0: that's fantastic it's lovely when Ooh. corporates do things like that and it's uh, you know obviously red bull have got a big wallet but uh, that doesn't matter um it's a, it's a fabulous thing i'm going to put a link at the bottom of this um if you're happy for me too in the in the in the text just of of your um of your donation page or a donation page um yeah, because sure. i think it's a it's a really wonderful charity and it's or well, foundation should i say and the work they're doing is is remarkable but your kind of you're now walking evidence.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing that's most noticeable about my uh, journey is that I'm very unusual, I would say, Uh, very lucky uh, in Mm -hmm. as much as when I had my injury, uh, as I say, I was totally paralyzed. However, uh, I was drafted into an experimental intervention at St George's, and that experimental intervention gave me an opportunity or a platform to be able to build from there as a a little side kind of anecdote i remember around my i was lying in icu and uh, i was on day two after my Mm -hmm. surgery which actually my surgery happened within 24 hours which for me was very important because of a a whole host of reasons but one uh, was around cell death and making sure you could preserve as much of the spinal uh, nervous tissue as possible Okay. And uh, So I was in surgery after 24 hours. And then 24 hours later, I was laying in ICU and I turned to my wife and I said, what's 200 days from now? And she said to me, it's December the 22nd. Why is that? I said, give me Christmas Day and I'll be back on my feet. And uh, I used that promise to my wife as my daily motivation to just take a little footstep every day, whether not whether that be figuratively or literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to just make a little improvement every day to get towards this bold, ambitious goal of being back to normal in 200 days. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was where it began. So I had the foundation uh, to be able to move forward from a surgical perspective, mm-hmm. but I had the luck and timing. Um, I had the love of my family and friends and colleagues, and a fair amount of bloody di- bloody-minded determination. Uh, to get back and, and fulfill on this promise to Helen.
0: Uh look! You know, for 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 an outsider looking in, um, you mentioned your your you know the self motivation there. I think you know you had incredible help, which is wonderful. But um, you must be the most bloody minded man in the world, aren't you?
1: <laughs> I have been accused. Uh, yeah, and and to be fair, I think a lot of it for me is. Uh, A lot of it for me is that you just don't know how strong you are until strong is your only option. And I was facing a situation whereby not I may never walk again necessarily, but Mm -hmm. if I hadn't have improved, which, and and I'm very mindful that a lot of people that do suffer spinal cord injuries, it would be disingenuous to say you have this surgery and then suddenly you can get up again, because that's just not the case for most people. Um, There's a lot of work being done to try and help people in that situation, but unfortunately we're just not there yet in the majority of cases. Uh, But Yeah, I think it gave me an opportunity to say, what do I really want for my life? If I'm going to spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair, driving around with my mouth, uh, is that really what I want? Yeah. And My wife and I had a very honest conversation, and uh, Mm -hmm. this was early on. and We both agreed that if that wasn't going to get any better, then that wasn't what I wanted for my life. It isn't what I wanted for Helen's life, um, and certainly not what she wanted for me. Uh, Neither of us had signed up to that, really. And if that was the case, then very almost dramatically or didn't seem as dramatic at the time was to maybe book that single ticket to Switzerland and, and call it a day um, or alternatively do something different and, uh, and with this experimental intervention that did give me the platform to then say right okay I now owe myself and everyone around me every moment of every day to find an improvement on my life whether that be physically or emotionally um, and and take those steps forward.
0: And that—I mean—I don't want to be morbid about things, so because I think your story is is remarkable in many ways. But I think the most the bit that I take from it when it is the positivity of and, and the possibility um, of what could be from something that's very, very, very difficult. Um, you know, you mentioned Switzerland there, and I don't even know how you have that conversation. Um, I guess you have to when you have to, but was that a real choice? Was that something you talked about, you know, if this doesn't work, or was that a really serious, you know, Helen, we may have to go to Switzerland?
1: Oh, I was deadly serious. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, from that conversation, uh, I remember it vividly now, and it was only over the space of about five, ten minutes, and we right. said, look, what have we got? What do we need uh, in order for that not to be the outcome? And yeah. So if anything, it wasn't as hard to make that decision as you think, uh, because we knew what we didn't want. And and I, I just want to take a in parentheses an opportunity to say that there are many people out there with spinal cord injuries that live very full lives um, yes. in exactly that situation where they are in power trails um, and, and have huge dependability uh, or dependence rather on other people. Um, and they live fantastic lives that wasn't what I wanted for my life um, and that wasn't what Helen wanted for me or I wanted for her. So I think that was a very personal choice, uh, but it wasn't a hard one actually to to kind of put on the table as the outcome. Um, and as I say, even though it's a very, it's very kind of um, topical to speak about and it's it's kind of shocking almost, but in reality that was a 10 minute conversation over the space right. of the last three years. Uh, and Actually, we've had many more positive conversations around how we use that as a backstop and then push forward from there. As a a kind of little side note to that as well, the the conversation that Helen and I had had was very much along the lines of uh, how do we get better? It wasn't about where are we now? I never looked at it as I'm, it would have been very easy for me to have said how much have I lost and how much can I get back? And if, right. to put some nu- just anecdotal numbers, I suppose, to that, I could have said I've lost 95% of my function. And mm-hmm. if I get anything back, then I might get, I don't know, 30% back or whatever it might be. You know, I'll have always lost a significant amount. And I said to myself, that can't really be how I live the rest of my life, feeling like I've lost stuff. So I had a very honest conversation with myself at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, there's a lot of those. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yep. Where I, I said to myself, actually, just just say we died that day. Yeah, if we died that day, then now I'm at zero. So every yeah. every step forward I make from here is a positive move forward. So if I'm 1% better, if I'm 2% better, uh, I'm not just better versus where I was. I'm now almost 1% further along. I'm 2% further along. And it was constantly looking at the kind of dot, dot, dot moving forwards as opposed to the right. end of the sentence, now let's try and get back what we'd lost. So it was proactive rather than reactive.
0: It's a very... Um, yeah, very positive mindset that can do that. I, I'm sure that uh, many people who have those sort of injuries don't manage to get any better because they just can't I mean, it's for their own reasons. I know just on your on your email, Stephen, your order signature says "better than yesterday." Dot dot dot. <laughs> um, I love it. I, I, you know, we, people talk about marginal improvement. You're you are absolutely the embodiment of that, aren't you?
1: Well, I, I really do genuinely believe in marginal improvement. I, I I've, I've always set bold goals for myself. Um, even before my injury, uh, through my profession, professional career, I've always had bold goals. But I've always been very mindful that nobody achieves 100% uh, improvement and no one achieves a, a huge ambitious goal overnight. You know, you're only ever going to be incrementally better than you were before. Yeah, unless, yep. you're, unless you're vastly lucky, at which point that's nothing to do with you. Um, <laughs> right. So if, if that's the case... Then those are the hard yards where you're able to just make those tiny moves, uh, evaluate those tiny moves in, the, in a very honest way um, and yep. celebrate those tiny moves as well. I mean, it, it, talking of tiny moves, I suppose it reminds me of when I actually did move for the first time. Uh, I was lying in again in ICU and uh, I twitched oh. my thumb on my left hand. Right, it was a tiny little movement. It was the, 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 the smallest of movements. I'd actually thought I'd had a mini spasm because that happens to me quite a lot, kind of uncontrolled right. movements. And, uh, and then I tried to do it again and it worked again in the same way. And I thought, you know what? I've done that. That's, that's me. Uh, that must have been a
0: hell of a milestone
1: oh my god it was amazing it was absolutely amazing i can't even put into words um and as no one no one can live a valuable life twitching their thumb that's not how you do it <laughs> uh, but for me <laughs> it's that's a good starting a, point yeah, exactly but it was exactly that it was a starting point point. and i'd gone from nothing to a thumb twitch so that was my incremental move and that was my tiny yep. win and that tiny win was my being better than yesterday and that being better than yesterday needed celebration. So people came running through. Literally, I was calling out to people going, geez, come check this out. Watch me twitch my yep. thumb.
0: <laughs> um, there might have been a few tears in that room that day.
1: There were. There were quite a few, actually. Not from me that day, actually. But, uh, um, but no, from my nurses and, and from my wife, certainly. That was a yep. monumental moment.
0: You mentioned setting yourself huge goals, and uh, I want to talk about your new business. But as we get to that, there's been a couple of other things. So you did do Ride London, didn't you? Uh,
1: well, technically, yeah, I did my version of yep. it. So I, yep. I promised Helen I would walk again within 200 days, and I took yep. Turkey to the Christmas table 200 days later. Um, I've missed out all the blood and guts in the middle there, lots of uh, determination and strife and fails and falling on your face and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I got there. Yeah, those incremental yep. wins took me from day zero to day 200, which mm-hmm. allowed me to take turkey from kitchen to table. Uh, and that was amazing. It was, a, it was, again, another monumental win. Uh, it was an incremental win because I, I could yep. walk at that point. I'd, I was actually walking badly, but I was up on my feet after 90 days, which is just crazy. That's
0: incredible. Yeah, I
1: mean, absolutely amazing. There's a short video, actually, I might have to send across to you. That. Um, and uh, yeah, that was amazing.
0: And yeah please do because i'll stick a link to that as well
1: yeah sure i will do and um and then there was also the video of me taking the turkey to the table which uh, you might want to link <laughs> into um which again you can see the look on people's faces is just it should never have happened. wonderful yeah that was yep. amazing so that was that and then i had a day off because uh, i'd been working bloody hard for six months and uh, mm-hmm. decided i was going to just you know, drink baileys and watch Boxing Day TV. And, Sounds um, like,
0: a, like a pretty good Christmas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely. Bailey's on my cornflakes that day. But um, yep. <laughs> so, so yeah. If you
0: if you do start doing that, could I could I suggest you go and talk to someone?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That might be not considered an improvement. but uh, um, well. So, yeah, I had a day off, and then I told the internet, uh, before I told my wife, which is always a bad idea, never do it in that <laughs> order, that I was yeah. going to get back on the very same bike that I fell from, and I was going to cycle the 100 miles that I never got to cycle. And I was right. going to do it in six hours, uh, which turned out, okay. and again, a bit of hubris here really, because uh, my yep. wife came downstairs and went, uh, what the hell is this? <laughs> and I was like, oh no, no it's okay, don't worry, I've been on
0: the internet, Stephen. <laughs> right,
1: exactly. Explain yourself. Exactly. Facebook, not a good way to find out what your husband's going to be doing. <laughs> but um, so she came down and she showed me the phone. I said, no, don't worry, I've got a plan. Um, yep. She basically thought I was going to get back on the bike and cycle, ride London the next year right and, uh bearing in mind i hadn't even done it once at that point and um i said no don't worry i've got a plan i'm going to do it on a static bike so i'm going to get on a turbo trainer where they take the back mm-hmm. wheel off and they hook you up to a rolling road effectively so you don't go anywhere but yep. uh, it mimics the pressures and stuff through the wheels that you would otherwise get riding a normal bike and, uh, and i'm going to cycle 100 miles and i'm going to do it in six hours and i'm going to do it at red bull uh, in a static bike and yep. um And again, I don't want to miss out all the blood and guts, but uh, there was a hell of a lot of training that then went into the next six months. And 200 days later, as the promise to the internet was, I was at Red Bull a year on from Ride London, on the same day Mm -hmm. as Ride London, a year later. Okay. And I cycled the 200 miles, sorry, the 100 miles that I never got to cycle previously. And I did it in five hours, 59 minutes and 40 seconds.
0: Gee, so for people who don't cycle, that's a good speed.
1: It's just over 17 miles an hour on average, uh, which yeah. is a very good clip i mean certainly and, and because it's a turbo trainer you don't have the benefit of downhills uh, you don't have the benefit of wind in your face cooling you down Yeah, you know, i was in a yep. red bull studio i was in a room basically with a bunch of friends yeah i wasn't allowed to do it on my own uh, i ended up with a bunch of people also bringing their bikes in and what became known as hashtag 200 days challenge if people wanted to google that um it was yep. a bunch of photos there's a there's a facebook page and stuff and uh it was an incredible event we raised £37,000 or something for Wings for Life. Crikey. Uh, Through that event. That's uh, wonderful. It was amazing. And I I mean, for me, it was a no-brainer to raise money for those guys because they gave me the opportunity to get back on the bike in the first place. To be able to stand again was in no small part down to the work that uh, they had funded through Professor Papadopoulos and his team at St. George's and uh, and a trial known as the iScope trial. Uh, which is still ongoing today. There was only fifty people that had that surgery um, when I was—I was like number forty-five or something. Um, right. And the results were good enough to refund it for another fifty people, which is still ongoing today. Um, Super. And I've been—I'm uh, I'm, honoured actually to have been drafted into their team as like a layperson uh, for future trials as well. So that's uh, oh. so I'm now not only not only benefiting from Professor Papadopoulos and his team's work, I'm also now helping to advise on future. Trials that they might be running.
0: A very nice way to give back as well.
1: Oh, absolutely! And so
0: you, so you did. You've you've ridden a hundred mile ride. Mm-hmm. You've done a run. I yeah, bet you didn't think you were going to do that.
1: Well, yeah, that's um, it's a slightly uh, about face. I uh, I did the, the hundred mile cycle, and uh, that was Steve's event. Steve's recovery. Everybody getting behind Steve and making the most of it. And it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I then wanted to do something a little different, and uh, I wanted to probably still do the cycle again, um, but make it more than just one person's journey, make it more about other people. Um, and we did, and we, t- we turned it into what became known as the 100% Challenge. So we got back on a bike, and we went back to Red Bull Studios the next year, and uh, we also had some people who were in wheelchairs. We had a, a, a quadriplegic uh, guy who I think you know, actually, Andy Barrow. He's an ex-Paralympian. Um, Yes. Used to play wheelchair rugby. He was on a rolling road, sat next to me. He pushed for four hours. Um, We had a four year old tetraplegic kid who's paralyzed, chest down because of a subarachnoid cyst called Emerson Grant. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Emerson, like I say, he's four. Uh, he got on the rolling road. He pushed himself for fifteen minutes in his day chair, which was, <laughs> Great. Which was his hundred percent. Yeah, everybody was giving their hundred percent effort so that they could raise yeah. money, and that money, a hundred percent of that money, could be given directly to Wings for Life and the, the trials that are funded by Wings for Life. So yeah, we basically are turning that into like an annual event now, which is which is awesome. Um, but no, I, just before the run, uh, the run was an interesting one because I was away on holiday with my best friend, uh, a guy called Neil Dixon. Uh, And his family, and and my family, Uh, he has a small little ski apartment out in Les Arcs in France. And I'd always wanted to go skiing. Always. Since I was a kid, it was a real dream of mine. Uh, But when I grew up, we didn't really have loads of money. So skiing was expensive. So it wasn't an option. And then I got myself a job in the city. So I became very time poor. And skiing wasn't an option. uh, Because we just couldn't find a way into the diary. And then I broke my neck and I had no arms and legs. So skiing was not an option (laughs) um until it became a challenge and then i said to my my best friend that you've got this place out in in france and i really want to go skiing can we go skiing and uh he said well yeah we can (laughs) if you want to want to try you can can give it a go and um so earlier this year i learned to ski uh, we went to the top of the mountain, I strapped on some skis and uh, yep. threw myself off the top, basically. And, <laughs> fabulous. Yeah. And uh, there's an, another short video of that, actually, that um, was on LinkedIn and uh, was quite popular that showed me skiing for the first time ever. And yep. by the end of that one minute video, it's got a picture, of, which is a, the equivalent of a week of being on ski lessons. And uh, just, just by him, he just told me, I didn't have any professional lessons, but just by Neil kind of telling me what I right. should and shouldn't do and uh, yeah. by the end of it i'm like tucked into a like, tucked into a squat and flying past this little eight-year-old girl that it to me. <laughs> it was beautiful and she, she'd been getting in my way all day i was really pleased to be able to pass her <laughs> 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 so,
0: yeah. so the so you and then you you did this run that was when was that
1: yeah so then whilst i was away in um in france i got a phone call from red bull and said uh we are in a we, we have this event called the World Run, the Wings for Life World yeah. Run. And the whole concept behind World Run is that it's the only event in the world where the finishing line chases you. So okay. it, there's over 120,000 people took part right across the world, lots of different cities. Uh-huh. Uh, everyone runs at exactly the same time though. Um, so you all set off from the start line. And then after half an hour, the catcher car, which represents the finishing line, starts behind you. And it gradually increases in speed like a sweep. Uh, in a in a cycle race, and uh, yep. as that car passes you, then that is that's the end of your race. Okay, which, which is amazing because what it means is that everybody, no matter what their ability is, can run in that race or wheel in that race if they're in a chair, and uh, and they can get as far as they can get, and that's that's yep. their effort, and that really really spoke to me because that's so in line with my hundred percent challenge idea. You know, the idea that as long as you challenge yourself 100%, I don't care if you travel 100 miles or 10 meters, if you give your yep. absolute yep. effort, your 100% effort, then you. for those people who don't have spinal cord injuries, you might get a bit of a flavor of what it's like for somebody with a spinal cord injury just to do the things that are the basics to you. Um, that is their 100% effort quite often. So it, it just really spoke to me as a, an incredible event that um, I had an opportunity to get involved in. And they said, Look, would you like to come and run the, the World Run this year? And I said, are oh, you having a laugh? I've, no, I've not run for three years. I have no idea if I can. I don't know if I'd run five meters and fall on my face. And yeah. uh, But that said, they phrased it as a challenge. <laughs> and, I'm uh, getting
0: a theme here. And I, <laughs> I know I'm a bit slow with these <laughs> things, Stephen. But I can feel the theme coming through. Um, there's a really great video if people would have a look at it on, on your LinkedIn profile, probably elsewhere as well, of you of you running and falling. Um, and getting back up and i think if you ever if any for people listening if you want to see what determination looks like watch steven run fall and get back up again <laughs> i think it's a, a super metaphor for, for life uh it's a really impressive thing to watch
1: it's, and that, now that, you're it went big, a, little, went a little bit viral there actually i think it's over two hundred twenty six thousand views or something is that all? Yeah, just a few. <laughs> Bloody hell.
0: So, um, so you've, you've, you've gone viral there. And now, I mean, this is the thing that I think um, is really interesting that's come sort of next, if we sort of step forward, is Giggle, um, which yeah. is part of the reason you're where you are today at Google Campus, um, but sort of it ties together a lot of your story and also your previous experience, doesn't it, into into a business.
1: It does. So, my background um, professionally and kind of work wise, but also just my general interest is I've always been a bit of a serial entrepreneur as well as a, a kind of corporate player. So from a recruitment standpoint, I've set up my own um, headhunting companies in the past. I've worked for other companies. And uh, mm-hmm. for the last few years, until relatively recently, at the end of last year, I was working for the Bank of New York Mellon as the head of their asset management recruitment business uh, across Europe, at right. East, in Africa. I um, had taken on some of their Asia Pacific business as well. So I'd always been in and around that sort of uh, professional space. Uh, I've also, uh, like going right back into, into time, I used to be a sports injuries therapist and a messer. I set up a right. poker school where I used to teach people how to play Texas Hold'em in a private members club in London. Uh, yeah. So I've had a few different interesting little side businesses. Varied. Underway. Yeah, quite varied. varied uh, always, I suppose, the the incremental fun element of my businesses have always been, what do I enjoy doing? How can mm. I turn work into life? Um, rather than have this kind of work-life balance, which for me feels like a false partition. Uh, Your work should be your life and your life should be your work. And if you're in that environment, then you can enjoy yourself. Um, So my life was put on hold dramatically, as we mentioned, uh, in June 2016. And that made me look up from my corporate world, where I was doing the 14-hour days and phoning my wife from the office to say goodnight to her and all the kind of craziness that people find themselves in in the city particularly, but I'm mindful it's not just that environment. I mean, a lot of corporate environments are similar and uh, it made me stop and say, you know what, what, what what the hell am I doing? Yeah. I can't introduce myself to my my kids on a weekend. Yeah. That's not, that's not Mm -hmm. what life's about. Um, So I had all of the challenges of getting back on my feet, which weren't work related, but was very much using a lot of the skills that I developed through my working career. uh, A lot of the resilience, a lot of the ability to, analyze um, situations and and really take the best from those situations. Um, a lot of the skills I'd used previously whereby I'd focus on the things that I could change, but just not waste time on the things that I couldn't change, but be mm-hmm. smart enough to know the difference uh, because a lot of people fool themselves either way. Uh, so I was well positioned. I remember one of the girls on my team actually said to me after my injury, I'm really, really sorry this has happened to you, Steve. It's awful. But of all the people, this should happen to. <laughs> um, she kind of had to, had a belief that I had the wherewithal to be able to get through something like this because of some of those experiences that I'd had in the business world. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so that that was uh, that put me in a good position, I suppose. And then. After i started to get some recovery, I spent a lot of time at home. I was doing four months, well, after four months in hospital, um, and then a whole bunch of time spending five hours a day in intense neurophysio for another four or five months. Uh, I found myself at my dining room table with the same friend that had um, been doing Ride London with me originally. And we yep. sat around the table eating pizzas and beers and said, oh, let's change the world. Let's do something fun. Let's do something that is fun for everyone, where everyone can benefit. And uh, we looked at the world of recruitment because both of us had a background in that space and said, you know, this yep. this is just broken. Yeah, This is nameless job descriptions put together through various layers of bureaucracy, meeting, faceless curriculum vitae's. And anything in Latin is disrupting as far as we were concerned. So um, we had an opportunity to say, "Let's let's change how this works, not just incrementally change it necessarily, but let's look at a new framework and how we could organize what we do. And Hmm. uh, through a few pivots and a few additional people, we now have uh, a fantastic technologist that works with us who I've known for 10 years. Uh, We have a great lawyer in Rotterdam. Uh, We have a a marketing exec, or not exec, head of marketing uh, in Sydney. Um, We also have a new marketing exec that's joined us recently here in London uh, and and one of my family um, connections as well helping us. Um, We put together a platform which effectively is aimed at changing the future of the gig economy. So if I were to put it in one sentence, I suppose, Giggle is a, is a digital platform where people who hire people in the gig economy, those short-term flexible workers, can meet people who operate in that space and need those flexible jobs. But they can do that directly and they can do that through the use of video as opposed to paper-based Uh, traditional methods so no recruiters no expense Mm -hmm. um or no unnecessary expense and a nice a a nice process whereby one can meet the other on a person-to-person basis rather than paper to paper
0: okay do you know what it's um i you know as you know my background's recruitment as well and uh I remember very clearly when we got email at our desk, which is going to show you how old I am. Um, and we remember looking at it, thinking, Do you know what, we're going to have videos of people talking to each other, you know, 1997. Mm. Um, <laughs> and finally, finally, we're getting there. Um but a very different idea. The gig economy is um, is a is an area where there's there's opportunity to rip people off, isn't there? Um, there's a lot of unethical behaviour goes on in the gig economy, or from my my, my perspective and my understanding.
1: I totally agree. How, yeah, yeah. how does this
0: how does this remove that?
1: Well, I mean, one of the things that we were really keen to do initially was to make it ethical, yeah, you know, to make it fair. Because you're totally mm-hmm. right. There's a lot of opportunity out there for unscrupulous employers uh, to treat people unfairly uh, to downright abuse uh, a lot of people that are in that market space. And we wanted to do away with that. Uh, It doesn't need to exist. Uh, There are a lot of people out there that work in the gig economy and do so very happily. Uh, They enjoy the flexibility that that offers. They enjoy the ability to build different portfolio careers and have different experiences. Um, However, There were many things that came about from our conversations that became quite clear. And one of them was the trust level. Who am I working with or for? Um, Both sides. Uh, But from a job seeker perspective or gigglers, we're calling them, uh, the ability to get paid and know when you're going to get paid was crucial. Uh, So that became one of the big selling points for us is that anybody working through the giggle platform, we've organized it in such a way that they get paid the next day. Yeah, they're, they're self-employed individuals. Wow, okay. But they're not waiting yeah. on invoices to be paid 30 days later, maybe 60 days, if at all. Yeah, we've organized it in such a way that the clients um, are are dropping the money to people who have, who. who sorry, not the clients, the, the platform is dropping the money to the people who have successfully completed those gigs next day.
0: That's amazing. Um, so it really is a very instantaneous a very controllable process? Is it through an app? Is it through a website? How do people get Giggle?
1: Well, Giggle is an app. uh, So we have a website, which is getgiggle.com. Uh, we have an opportunity to download the app from the App Store. Uh, initially, it'll be on Android, and then shortly after, it will be on iOS. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be the best place to, to come and check us out and see what we do. Uh, but also, I mean, I'm very visible, and as a co-founder of the business, and it's a new business, uh, I'm very keen to engage with our audience, whether they be gigglers and job seekers, or whether they be the employers. Uh, so feel free to, to reach out to us directly.
0: Sounds like an absolutely fantastic thing, and I wish you all the very best with it. I can't wait to see um, the, the well a better a better float than Uber. I hope. Uh, <laughs> in the for but uh, Stephen, I'm, I'm very conscious of your time, and I've loved chatting with you. Thank you so so much for taking your time out. And it sounds like quite a busy environment there behind you at Google as well. But uh, before we go, I'd love to just ask you that one thing: the big question, the one thing you'd like to leave people with that can help them better in business today and in the years to come what would that be
1: hmm. I think I think the one thing that probably ties together both of these stories around my personal situation and what's happening now with giggle and how we're changing the future of work uh, is that change doesn't happen in an overnight moment yeah major change significant change meaningful change. Mm. That change happens incrementally uh, so i think that my story and just being better than yesterday being my mantra for my personal growth um, but also from a business perspective understanding where you are where you want to be and how to take those little baby steps towards that but celebrating each and every one of those steps on the way i think those are the areas that are crucially important and uh, making sure that making sure that you don't overlook those celebratory moments. It's very easy to, uh, to to scan past the small wins as just small wins, but actually in reality, the world is only ever made up of small wins.
0: Stephen, that's fabulous. Thank you so, so much. It's been great chatting with you and uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing you soon.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thank you, James.
0: I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Only One Business Show and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, Please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.